Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. Val McCarty is in the business of helping organizations visualize, communicate, and execute strategy in real time. Her studies were acquired at both University of Alberta and Grant McEwen University and encompassed management, education, and human services with an aim to continue learning. Her previous experience includes the financial sector, fitness sector, and early childhood education. When Val is not at work, you can find her outside with her grandkids or looking forward to the next live jam. And now let's join Val in her discussion with Peter Volding about farming, garbage, dinosaurs, oh, and hydrothermal liquefaction. Take it away, Val. Welcome to another podcast of Rainforest Alberta. I'm Val McCarty as the host this time around. I'd like to read a little paragraph I saw about Rainforest. Rainforest Alberta is an informational organization of entrepreneurs and service providers who work together to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. So Rainforest Alberta is a great group of entrepreneurs and service providers, and I would encourage anyone that's listening to the podcast to check them out. Go to Rainforest Alberta and you'll, you'll find them if you just Google Rainforest Alberta. Peter Volgan is really into the environment and, and Peter is with a company called VDQ NRG Systems Inc. And so Peter, welcome, welcome. Thank you very much for having me here. Did you want to add anything to what I've said? Sometimes when people hear their introductions, they think, oh, I haven't thought of myself in that way for a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the other piece that you can add is that, uh, that I also have a lovely wife three beautiful children. The idea of being an entrepreneur has always sort of driven me. So um, the the piece around, you know, education and business is great, but we always have to balance our life. So tell our listeners a little bit about your beginnings, the what, why, and how of Peter. I grew up on a farm. You know, I'm a, I'm a Saskatchewan farm boy, went to school in a small town, wanted to get out of our small town, and I took engineering. Found out that I loved engineering. My mom always said, you know, Christmas presents got taken apart before they got played with <laughs> and grew up trying to find out how the world works. I did go back and I, I farmed for many years in my life as well, but I've also worked in, in many, many industries, accumulating today into the industry of, of the environment where we actually want to stop people from having to transport and dump waste, convert it into useful products and help our local communities. That's wonderful. I always say that farming is the ultimate entrepreneur, really, you know, you, one must be disciplined, one must be knowledgeable about so many different aspects. You almost have to be an engineer to farm <laughs> these days. No, I, I think farming is a misunderstood vocation, and I, I applaud farmers everywhere. I have a lot of farmers in my wheelhouse of friends, and a little, you know, a shout out to them. They, they work hard with little pay. Anyway, let's get back to the topic here. So you've always thought of being an entrepreneur. When did your dreams of a zero waste future start for you? I'm not sure if it was dreams of a zero waste future, 
but there's a little story I like to tell. Not necessarily a fully accurate story, but it sort of represents part of my childhood. One day I was, you know, at home, six years old. My dad said, come out, help. And so I went out to the farm to help. And what we were doing was we was we were loading up stuff into the back of his pickup. So we loaded up the back of the pickup. He tossed me into the front seat and we drove to the local dump. And he started to unload all this stuff at the local dump. What does a local dump look like to a six-year-old? It's a gold mine. So as he was trying to unload, I was trying to load all this great stuff that other people had thrown away. That didn't go over so well. So I got to sneak some of the pieces back home in my pockets. But other than that, it was a it was a discovery of, you know, there is so much in this world that people think is no longer of use. And that's sort of where that started. In business, when I saw some of the technologies that were not being used in, in the world, but I saw what they could potentially be used for, well, I grasped onto that. And two and a half years ago, just before we had this worldwide pandemic, I started my company in hopes of commercializing these technologies and actually bringing their benefits to our communities. Wonderful, wonderful. Interesting that uh, even as a child, you were you were an engineer at heart. <laughs> you know, how can I refurbish? How can I reuse? How can I repurpose? Oh, look, if you put these th two things together, it creates something entirely different. Wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. So I'm just going to read a little bit about your company here. Before I read this, where did you come up with the initials? Do they mean anything? Well, the, the energy is a play on energy because with waste, we throw out so much material that has so much value. You know, what is food? Food is energy for our bodies, what we don't use and throw away. We're throwing away energy. The idea is to be able to try to recover that. And that was, that was where the energy comes from. The VDQ, well, it's a nod to a couple of, you know, engineers that I worked with that actually helped do testing and developing of this technology. So. The V is my last name, and, and the, the others are engineers that I worked with in the past. Wonderful. Excellent. VDQ Energy has brought together multiple innovative technologies, which you were just talking about, to form streamlined and effective total waste stream solutions with modular and scalable designs, all while drastically reducing greenhouse gas emissions compared to current practices. Isn't that what everybody wants right now? <laughs> Isn't that what everybody's searching for? Can you add or, or elaborate on that a little bit for us? I, I would like to say that many people are searching for it, but not everybody. There is, unfortunately, there's there are people within the, the systems that believe that if we haven't ever done something different, why would we start now? But whereas the technology that we're working with I don't, I, I'm not somebody who tries to say I can invent everything. I can fix everything. I think of myself as more of a technology adapter, which is, you know, a background in farming. Farming says we find something, we bring it, and we use it to our advantage. Not that we've created it on our own, but we have, we have adapted it to, to what we're doing. So the hydrothermal liquefaction process that we have, it was originally developed to liquefy coal. 
to take coal and convert coal into liquid liquid fuels, developed some of the first coal oils that we had. But it's an expensive, it's a you know difficult process. Really, it's we have the engineering capabilities to do it. Nobody's really taken as much effort as they could and brought enough other pieces of technology from other industries to the problem. Do you think that's maybe because of just the unknown? Do you know what I mean? People are sort of really afraid of, oh, I've never gone there before. You know, you just need you just need a, bra- a few brave people out there. We, we need a few brave people. We need people who are willing to take a risk, you know, be embarrassed, you know, have that opportunity. But we have in our past and you know, ever since we decided that we were going to come in out of the rain as as humans and crawl into a cave, we've had a, a waste problem. And our waste problem is that we throw it away, which in these cases were behind the cave. And by the time it was, you know, so polluted that we could no longer live there, we moved caves. In civilization, we moved cities, you know. And we built on top of garbage mounds and we moved every time that we polluted our area. We no longer have you know, a planet to move to. So we have to decide that we need a different solution because a way, which is what people really think about taking stuff out of their house, is it as long as it goes away, I don't have a problem with it. Because we no longer see it. It's no longer visible to us. And so we don't think about it, but it's, it's visible and, and, to somebody and it's in the way of somebody (laughs) and it's like you say it's energy that right now is not used or or developed some way so in the development of the hydrothermal liquefaction okay hydrothermal liquefaction processing technology it converts organic waste into bio crude oil and carbon so there may be some of our listeners in the rainforest community that have that such problem, they may have some organic waste and need to know what to do with it. We, we, we have a lot of organic waste. Almost 80% of what we send to our landfill is organic, is, is what, not necessarily organic, but bio, biogenic waste. So it's you know paper, it's, it's wood, it's leaves, it's grass, it's food waste, it's you know, all the various waste products that, that come from you know, growth in nature where we use it and then no longer need it and dispose of it. And these products, when put into landfills, create problems of methane. And so the landfills produce methane. And it is estimated that by 2030, landfills in the world will produce 50% of human-caused methane emissions. Interesting. Takes the pressure off of cattle, doesn't it? <laughs> I heard an interesting story. You know, somebody was saying that cattle produce more more pollutants than a car. And the guy said, well, you go into a garage with a running car. I'll go into a garage with a cow. We'll come out in the morning to see how it works. <laughs> Anything else that you would like to enlighten our listeners about? So if they have questions. Well, the, the process is... I call it simple. The process is basically taking the material and putting it into a pressure cooker. You know, you know, it's, it's a cooking process. We understand cooking processes. In this case, we're putting much higher pressures and we're putting much higher temperatures. But we know it works. 
because we continuously pump up oil out of the ground that was created in this exact way. So that's why we know it works. Rather than taking millions of years to convert this organic mass into hydrocarbons, we'll do it in 20 minutes. So you've just just created a way for some child who's really into dinosaurs <laughs> to say, hey, I've got something I can do with this. Yeah. Well, that, that's the fun part is that as we convert this material into our output products, we're converting it back into the same types of hydrocarbons that we use in our industry today. Why have we chosen to do that? Because our infrastructure in our world is already designed to handle you know, liquid fuels, liquid hydrocarbons. Those liquid hydrocarbons are well used in industry to create plastics. And so you know, oil coming out of the ground comes up and is produced into plastics. Those pla that oil came from dinosaurs. That dinosaur, you know, we can take that plastic and make a toy dinosaur for a child. That child can play with the toy dinosaur, and when he's done, it gets thrown away. Well, we take the plastic from that toy dinosaur, and we can turn it back into new plastics to create that circular economy so that we're no longer relying on the same volume of fossil fuels to feed our society's desire for plastics. How big is your team where you work? My team is, I work with, with four people directly. There's four of us directly on my team. The indirect number of people on my team go into the hundreds because my concept is that we develop partnerships. We develop partnerships to access other people's expertise because two minds you know, one, one mind plus two minds doesn't make just two minds. It makes, you know, two and a half because the information gets filtered and you grow information, you create information. Yes. The sum is always greater than the, no, what is it? The, the whole is always greater than the sum of the parts. <laughs> the, the other piece, and that's actually one of the pieces about our technology is that I have found another technology called, you know, electro depolymerization. So that is the process of taking the plastics in our world and hitting it with radio frequencies and turning those plastics back into the fuel that they were created from. When we mix it with the organic and plastic, and now we can take organics and plastic, which is 80, 90, you know, almost 100% of what goes into our landfill. It's all the bad things that go into our landfill. You know, we have one technology. And one technology, you add them together, and we think we get 11. And with the partnerships that you've, it's very eco-friendly what you've developed, extremely eco-friendly, not only in the process of what you do, turning the waste into, into a form of energy, but also in the partnerships that you've built with your company. You're creating your own, the ecosystem of, of partnerships. Absolutely wonderful. You're working with a number of partners in Alberta. You're investigating, the company right now is investigating an opportunity to process industrial rubber tires and waste plastic. Is, is that what you were just talking about or is this something different? Well, it, it is part of what we're talking about. In Alberta, just like the rest of Canada, there's a fairly good system to be able to capture tires so the tires are no longer going into landfills and processing tires. But there always can be a better solution that can come along. 
what we don't have is we don't have a solution for industrial rubbers. So in the oil field, they use rubber regularly to help protect equipment, to protect the metal from the corrosion. And that rubber, when it wears out, has to be removed and replaced. And right now it's going into landfills because it has no other option. We'll be able to take that rubber, convert it back into fuels and, and, and industrial materials that can be used to create brand new virgin rubbers. Yeah, the idea is that we're, we're developing a consortium of people from the folks that are already doing, and this is the wonderful part of it, these folks are already doing recycling because they're recovering so much valuable materials from the metal that they're, they're protecting and you know, having to stop the production of new, new materials. But they have this waste product and we're trying to help them solve this waste problem. At the same time, you know, we are taking that waste and converting it into something that is useful and can actually lower the carbon imprint of, you know, the, the companies in the area, as well as the fuel that we're producing, we can help lower the carbon footprint of fuels that it's blended with. So you had mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that, that you have kids. What do your kids, what do your kids think about what, what dad is doing right now? Most kids don't actually understand what their fathers do, but <laughs> they they do say, I really, I hope this works. <laughs> I, I want to see this work. I want to see it out successful because the world that we currently see as our future does not look bright. I know a lot of the, the generation of youth that are graduating from high school, they're so in tune with the ecosystem and doing the right things for our planet. But that's why I asked the question. I just thought they would, you know, they'd see dad as being in, in their core, in their corner, so to speak. Yes. One of the difficulties we do see is because we're actually producing industrial materials that, that help fuel our industry. Our industry gives us the lifestyle that we currently enjoy. I'm not going to, you know, be the warrior that changes our, you know, many of our own ideas. But my thoughts are is that if we can stop the dumping of waste into the holes in the ground, the dumping of waste into the ocean, the the incineration of waste that, you know, is putting pollutants into the atmosphere and more efficiently capture the resources that we have put, you know, that we're currently throwing away then that will offset you know how much new energy we have to pull out of the ground and it will be the stopgap measure that will help us you know move into the future one day you know there was a, there was a, a customer that actually asked what happens when you run out of garbage <laughs> a little tongue in cheek answer We've won. We can go home because we've won. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a nice thing to do? Okay. Instead of the dream of a zero waste future. Yeah. Yeah. Re rephrase it as what happens when you run out of garbage? <laughs> I love that. But that's, that's, that's the honest piece is that we want to make sure that what we do continues to encourage people to remember what the first R was. Reduce. Because that's got lost in the whole world of, you know, the, the R's. When you say that I fill up my recycling bin every time, 
isn't it great? And I say, no, no, you have now taken all of this garbage and you have put it into another pile. Better than going into the landfill in many cases, I'm going to admit that, but really have you solved the problem? You're still part of the problem. So, you know, the, the idea that we have in our household is that, you know, we recycle, not because I think that recycling does a great job, but it's better than the alternatives. And our, our desire is reducing. We need to keep material, you know, reduced so that we no longer are creating so much waste. Interesting. Interesting. What a fantastic discussion we've had. For one, I want to thank our listeners for following us thus far. <laughs> you stayed, you've stayed with us. Thank you so much. We're just about to wrap up here, but is there anything, anything else you would like to go into more detail on in the next few minutes that we have? One of the concepts that we have is that our systems have to be sustainable, which means they have to produce enough revenues to cover the costs so that not only can we protect the people in our developed you know, nation of Canada, but we can actually help people in developing nations where they have massive waste problems and they have an energy shortage. So we want to be able to make sure that our systems are sustainable, you know, not just in Edmonton and Calgary, but in you know, places like Lagos where they have waste problems and electricity that's almost non-existent. One of the things I was reading about before is that you you definitely love to reach out to the community. You've been to the Lunch Without Lunch a few times. So you do look forward to having a discussion with anyone as you explore, as they explore this Canadian tech company and, and the dreams that the te- that VDQ Energy has for a zero waste future. How can people get a hold of you and your team if they want to? You can get a hold of us through our website, www.vdqnrg.ca. You can get a hold of us through LinkedIn and we would be happy to respond. Wonderful. Wonderful. And of course, you may even see Peter at a Lunch Without Lunch some Wednesday afternoon. Absolutely love those gatherings. The Rainforest truly is a very good grouping of innovative-minded entrepreneurs that are thinking about the future. I'd like to thank our podcast people for following along with us. And again, if you want to reach out to Peter, do so on his website, VDQ NRG Systems Inc. Thank you so much, Peter. Thank you very much, Val. Very much appreciate you taking the time to have me on here. And we all have to work together to create our our better future. So thank you. We do. We do. I, I have grandchildren and I want a better future for my grandchildren. I don't want them to be surrounded with waste <laughs> of, any, of any type, right? So fantastic. Fantastic. Okay. Thank you so much, folks. And we'll see you on the next podcast. If you haven't already, visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-sourced, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This episode was brought to you by New Idea Machine. We build great custom software while bridging the gap between education and experience. New Idea Machine makes your ideas real. Visit newideamachine.com for more info.
Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.